I read about that fluttering snowflake from a sister who uh, posted that online, and uh, I'm just so grateful for people that help us to feel like children, you know, that let go of the things that we are holding on to. We tend to carry a lot of weight with us, and, and I really feel that it's inspired today that God wants us to be light and to be fluffy <laughs> and to be happy and to be free from these things that weigh us down in the world. Uh, not that we will be always able to go through life without problems, but God is the way that we approach them. Um, he gives us the insight and wisdom so that we can live as his people in his image, uh, bringing joy and uh, being messengers of the gospel and the good news to people that don't have good news in our lives. So let's give thanks for people that inspire us. And we also uh, can do the same thing to use our imaginations and creativity that God has given us as the image of God to um, bring a lightness to heaviness and to make people feel happy about being alive. Brothers and sisters, there is um, there are many ways that we can describe ourselves as Christians. What would be some way that you would say, you know, describe who a Christian is? Or a person who believes in God, what would you say? Any thoughts? Devoted? Okay. Thank you. There's no wrong answers here. Okay. <laughs> Devoted is good, yeah. Mm-hmm. Followers? Okay. Anything else? Disciples? I thought you said psychos. Sorry. It's kind of hard to hear about people. It's kind of <laughs> that would describe me. But, um, yeah, so um, disciples, yeah. Yes? Okay, behave like a little Christ. Yeah, very good. So there's many different ways that we could describe ourselves as, you know, believers in, in our God. And, but, um, one way that we neglect to think of ourselves is as covenant people. And that's, that's what I hope that we can begin to change today and be more aware of. And I think God wants us to have that. And it's actually been on my mind, um, to, talk about and to, you know, preach about, teach about the covenant and what it means to be a covenant people, because that is actually one of the main ways that we are to look at it as ourselves as followers of Christ. Remember when we, when we have the communion, each time we celebrate communion, we say this is the covenant, this blood is the covenant, new covenant in Christ, Right. That is not to be taken lightly. It is something that is super, super important. And it's taught throughout the Bible. So there are covenants that we learn about and that God uses. It's not, it's, it's something He established. And so it's really, really important that we have an understanding of what that means. Okay. And I hope that through these sermons, like, you know, I don't know how many we're going to have in a row or anything like that talking about the covenants, but we're going to be talking about the covenant today of Noah because it was in the lectionary today for the church year, and it's also connected to baptism, which we're going to have on Easter coming up. Um, but mainly I want to, de- to take the opportunity today, since we're reading about the covenant with Noah, to begin there so that we can be, we can begin to look at ourselves in that way, the way God planned it, that we are covenant people. Okay? 
So you can start to um, read your Bible with that emphasis. And, you know, I remember having a conversation with Paul one time. It was like you, you start talking about one theme, right? And then all of a sudden you start seeing that everywhere. You remember we were like saying that? But it's God's way of doing things. You know, you, you, you hear a verse maybe. You could hear it at the Good News Club or you hear it at the Beatitudes class or you hear it during the service or somewhere else. And then all of a sudden it's like, oh wow, you know, I'm hearing that here too when I go to the, to the store. <laughs> or, you know, I mean, it could be in any kind of a way, but God brings that alive. And I believe that that, that is his intention here, that we won't just hear it here, but we'll begin to hear it and see it everywhere. Amen? So it's a, um, a little bit technical sometimes when you look at these things, the covenant, you know, the covenant itself. Uh, describing it has caused a lot of people to come up with different ideas of what that means. But um, I came to a place today where I feel pretty confident that we can talk about this in a way that will help us because it is based on God's Word. So let me just begin. Alan P. Ross, who's a, he's a, a man who I actually had a course with in seminary on Genesis and on the Psalms, um, a great man of God, very learned, and I pay attention to what he has to say. He said this, from this point on, from Noah, the God of Israel would be known as a covenant-making and covenant-keeping God, a covenant-making and a covenant-keeping God. The covenant of God through Noah declared that God held, held life sacred and that humankind, too, must preserve life in the earth. Okay, so God holds life really, really sacred. And that's important for us in a world where we're seeing more and more people killing each other, right? Senselessly. Kids, high schoolers this past week, shooting people, killing each, you know, killing a woman. Um, that, that's what we see here. But God holds life sacred. And that humankind too must preserve life in the earth. That is, so from this point on, from Noah, we need to take, pay attention. But it starts before Noah, okay? But, but it's at this point on that God of Israel would be known as a covenant making and covenant keeping God. So it's not just looking at ourselves as covenant people. It's looking at God as a covenant making and covenant keeping God. So if you want to talk about God, you can start to talk about Him in that kind of a way. I worship a covenant-making and a covenant-keeping God. He keeps promises. He makes promises that he keeps, right? That's a very simple way of, of looking at it, but there's more than that. So what is a covenant? How do we define the covenant, the covenantal relationship of God to his people? Okay, so first of all, what is a co- covenant? A guy named Palmer Robertson wrote it this way, and I, I like this This description, although it's kind of difficult to grasp sometimes. A covenant is a bond in blood, sovereignly administered. It's a bond. A bond in blood, sovereignly administered. So a bond we know what we're talking about, right? It's something that's brought together, right? In blood, Right? So there's something there that is actually, you know, very, very important because blood is important, isn't it? I mean, there's something that's talking about life there. Life and death, actually. Um, and it's sovereignly administered. It's administered by God. So sovereignly, we're talking about the sovereignty of God. 
administered, so it's brought into being through him. He establishes that, okay? So when God enters into a covenantal relationship with men and women, he sovereignly institutes a life and death bond. He is making a bond. The result of the covenant commitment is the establishment of a relationship between God and men. So God is, through the covenant, he is establishing his relationship with us. Okay? He's making, he's establishing relationship and relationship is very relatable, right? It's something that we need to, to see ourselves. We are not just these people who wander around in the world that God has placed here and we're doing our, our own thing. He establishes a connection to us through this covenant. And he makes covenants throughout the Bible with people to, to show them that he is a relational God. He wants a bond with us and he's willing to put his life in it. And when you see that, and I don't know about you, but when I read this definition that, that, that Palmer Robertson wrote, a bond in blood sovereignly administered, I would say that reminds me of Jesus on the cross. Right? That God is making a, a covenant with us through his son, and he's putting his blood in it. I'm sealing it with the blood of my son. Right? And that gets our attention here, right? It takes us away from this wandering kind of a thing and we say, hey, this, this God loves me. This God cares about me. He's willing to put his blood into it. Right? And I, I have blood going through my veins, which reminds me that there's blood that gives life, right? And God is, is giving that life to me. Right? So at one point, Okay, so the result of a covenant commitment is the establishment of a relationship between God and men and women. It might take a variety of forms. One point is a verbal oath. We just heard it in the Bible that God is saying, I'm establishing my covenant with you. Right, so it's verbally stated. But another point is a symbolic action that could be attached to it. So God pronounces, he establishes a covenant with Noah, and that is the verbal part. And then the symbolic part is right there. I'm giving you a symbol that you can see, that you can believe, and you can you can witness over and over again and throughout the existence of mankind that I have made this bond, this blood, this life and death bond with you. I have established it. I am there, and I'm going to see it through. And that leads to Christ. From the time of Noah, he is making that statement to mankind. I'm committed to you, and I'm going to bring it into being through my son. And he is found in that rainbow. That rainbow is his grace. And we go around in our world, and we see a rainbow, and we say, oh, look at that beautiful rainbow. And what we should be saying is, I I see the covenant of God. I see the covenant of a covenant God, and I am a covenantal person. I am a believer in Jesus Christ, and that makes me a part of a covenant. And man, that can open up conversations. That can open up conversations because we are, we are not just saying things the way we normally say them. We're, we're bringing in an important aspect of our biblical training. We were singing a song today about that, being trained. Right? The Bible trains us in the things that are important that we need to realize in our lives and that we also give to other people. And those things stick, just like the snow on the ground. Those stick because they're foundational truths of God's Word, and we need to be, we need to be educated in those. It, 
grows us as a church. It, 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 it's, it can't be helped. There's nothing that you and I can do to keep it away because it's foundational and it's true and it's long-lasting forever. And those truths are the ones that we put our lives into. Right? And so we want to be attuned to these things in the Bible that are teaching us how to be grounded in this world that is all over the place. And people seem to be all, all over. The, that's what it was in Noah's time. Everybody was doing whatever they wanted. They disregarded God, and that's why he brought the flood. It was enough. It was out of control. All of these things are happening like that. And so God said, enough. But I see my this man... Noah, and I am going to use him and make a covenant with him and begin anew. And we have come from that time all the way, you know, from, from his time to now. Right? But God made this covenant with him. So let me, let me just go into a little bit more of something else. There's, there's something that happened. Actually, a covenant was made in the book of Genesis before this. And we look at Genesis 3.15. There is a curse on the serpent. Okay, so we need to shift gears a little bit and go back to the time in the garden when the man and woman have sinned against God, and there is an incredibly crucial moment here that we have to pay attention to, and we also have to be in touch with when we when we think of ourselves as Christians. We have to understand what is happening here so that we understand our faith in Jesus Christ and what God has done, okay? So this verse says, I would put, I will put enmity between you and the woman. God is talking to the serpent, the serpent who has deceived man and woman, right? I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your seed and her seed, and he shall bruise you on the head, and you shall bruise him on the heel. And there's a very important message here. This is, this is really Jesus, where Jesus comes from right at this point. And it comes from this announcement or this, this, this pronouncement of, of a curse upon the serpent that said, you will bruise him on the heel. Yes, you will have that effect. The evil in you is going to have an effect of bringing my son to the cross and he will die on the cross. But that will only be a bruise on his heel because that actually is going to affect the salvation of people. His blood being shed is going to bring the effect of salvation for my people, the forgiveness of sins. But you are going to be be bruised on the head by him. He will bring a far greater bruise upon your head and your days are numbered. You will die. And you you are the one that is going to receive the death. Not my, not my people. The people that believe in my son will come to everlasting life. And so it, there in that curse is where it all begins. That is where God has shown his grace. He's saying, I, I hate sin. Men and women have sinned against God. They have, they have done this terrible thing. However, I am going to bring a curse upon Satan. And that is going to be everlasting. And this, 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 this bruise on the heel of my son is going to result in, in the, the washing of sin away, the washing away of sin and new life for those who follow him. Do you understand that? Okay. So we, so there's, there's two bruises. One is going to be on the heel of Christ and that is going to result in his death on the cross, but it will not keep him down. 
It will be merely a bruise on the heel, but the far greater bruise is going to be upon the head of Satan, and he is going to, that is the greater curse, okay? So that is the foundation of God's covenant. He has there in that moment established that he is going to make this covenant to save mankind despite sin. And that is why he continues on in the time of Noah to keep that going. Yes, the the, the earth was flooded with water and destroyed, but Noah remained and he continued that promise through Noah that will lead to Jesus Christ. Okay, so this is this is where it's going. And these other covenants that we're going to be learning about through Abraham and Moses are also going to, and David are also going to be showing and teaching us the same thing. Okay, God has a plan to save human beings from death. So we now we've established that there is a curse of evil, but then there's also blessing. Right? There's so, and, and Genesis is a book of blessing. There's great blessing found there despite our sins. And that rainbow is a great symbol for us to remember that God's grace is established and it's going to last. Okay? Even, even though we sin, we can depend upon God's grace. So now we want to go back to this, to this, this, this story of Noah. And there's things that we need to understand within the covenant that, that, uh, that God is doing here. First of all, and this is coming from Alan Ross again. First of all, God established a new order by blessing Noah as he had Adam. Okay, so there's a connection here. And if you read the story of Noah, then you'll see the connection between that and the first creation story. Because there's a recreating going on, right? Everything is wiped out on the face of the earth. Right? Noah is in this, in this ark with his family, and they're saved with the animals, right? They came two by two, and the, and the, and God has saved them to continue on. The, the, the ark lands, right? The, the, the waters recede, they leave that, and thus begins a recreation story, right? It's starting anew there through Noah. Okay, so God established a new order by blessing Noah as he had Adam. Humans, if you read through it, it says humans were to be fruitful and multiply. Remember that in the book of, earlier in the book of Genesis with Adam and Eve, right? They were to eat of every living thing. There was, uh, there was one pro- prohibition then here that was written in this story. Humans were not to eat animals alive with blood in them. Then God prohibited people from shedding human blood, for humans were in the image of God. That's also found here in this story. If you read through the story of Noah, you see that God said that he prohibited people from shedding human blood, for humans were in the image of God. He reiterated his instructions for humankind to fill the earth, so it was going to begin again to multiply, and that's where we are today, right? There are other things that God did. He promised an unconditional, enduring covenant that he would never again destroy the world with such a flood and sealed his promise with the sign of a rainbow. That's all here in this. It's a whole new beginning, right? And God is continuing on with the story here. That's a covenant that he has made there, that he established first with the curse on the on Satan, the serpent, and establishing a blessing through the woman's seed, through the seed of the woman, through Eve. Alan Ross said this, The unity of the passage is based on the value of life. 
After the flood, people might think that life was worthless to God because all this human life was destroyed. But God's commandment, too, and the covenant with Noah showed that the contrary was true. That he valued life, that he, he saw life as sacred, right? And so he continued it on. And that is what God's word is teaching us over and over again, that life is sacred, that we are to take our lives in that kind of a way. Do we look at life as sacred? Do we look at our lives as though it's of great value? Think about it when we, when we start to get worried about someone that's close to us and we think, they are, are they gonna die? Right? And think about the things that you go through thinking about the people that are closest to you in that kind of way. Am I going to lose them? And that's what God is thinking. Am I going to lose this person forever? He's never going to know me. He's going to pass from this world without knowing my son, Jesus Christ. There's a value in our lives. And that's what people are losing today. That's what is going on all around us in New York City and in Ridgefield Park and all these different places. You know, when I was down the street that one time and these guys just took a guy and put his, took, took his shirt and pulled it over his head and started pounding the guy right down on the corner. And that's what we're talking about here. They don't take the life as sacred. They don't take the life as being, yes, this is a gift from God. This is a, a, a person who is meant for a covenant with God. To live a life that is going to be valuing life, valuing people, valuing the things that God has created in that kind of a way. And the message that we have from the Bible is, is one of, of life, of one that is going to be treating people in a sacred way, loving enemies, loving people that, that are undeserving. All these things is all coming through this time in, in Genesis. It's all coming through that time where, where, where God is introducing it to us. We grow up in our lives thinking about Noah and the Arky Arky, <laughs> right? He, there's a song that we, with the children sing, right? Yeah. Anyway, it's it, you, you, what I'm trying to say is children need to be introduced to the ark and the story of Noah in a way that is not going to freak them out, right? I mean, they, they do need to have this kind of a relationship to stories like that. But we are adults, and we need more than just that. You understand, right? We, we all have to, we have to come to a place where we, we say, yeah, the children need to hear it this way, but let me look at what that's saying to me now in my life. And God, that's why God is saying, I want you to stop drinking this milk and I want you to just eat solid food. You have to t- start getting into what I'm talking about with the covenant, right? You may not be able to tell a child about a covenant, but you can sure tell them about the rainbow being grace and God's love. And But what I'm saying to you is that that is my sign to you that I am never going to give up on you in your life. That you, no matter what you go through in your life and the troubles that you're going through, I am going to be there for you because I am a covenant God. And I have established that. And the bond that I make with you is one in blood. And I'm putting my son's life in it. And then it starts to sink in. Then you start to feel like, wait a minute. Wow, this is something much deeper than I ever expected. This is, this, this, this Christianity has something much different than I really anticipated or heard about before. This is about me and my body and my, my, my veins and the blood going through me and my brain and my, my soul. All these different things that I made with it are seem, seem to be so important to me. And I'm always thinking like nobody understands me and nobody really understands what I'm about. Well, God does. And that's what he's talking about here. I know you. I made you, I created you, I gave you that life, and I'm committed to it, and I'm giving you my word and my promise on it, and I'm giving you symbols of that. 
In a few weeks, we have a cross up there. It's going to be right here, and that cross is going to be one of those symbols of the covenant. Right? We think about the cross, and we want to think about it in that kind of a way. So, let's come back to the definition and apply this definition to Noah. The definition is a bond in blood sovereignly administered. So how do we see this in in Noah? Well, first of all, God will destroy man from the face of the earth. That's life or death, right? Noah will find grace, favor in the eyes of the Lord. That's what it said, that he found grace in the eyes of the Lord. Okay? So that is the life, right? So it's life and death. Life and death bond sovereignly administered by God. Life and death are at hand here through the judgment of God for the seed of Satan and the life-giving grace of God for the seed of the woman. Okay, so we have the curse, right? And there's that judgment on all the earth, but then there's also the grace of God that continues on through the seed of the woman that is eventually going to lead to Jesus Christ. Okay? So also, in Genesis 9-6, God says, Whoever sheds man's blood by man shall his blood be shed. Life and death are definitely involved in this covenant. Right? Well, there's one more thing I want to say, a couple more things I want to say about this covenant before we go on. A covenant can be conditional or it can be unconditional. And this one is unconditional, right? This covenant with God is not dependent on whether or not human beings believe and do do what God wants all the time. His covenant continues, right? Which means that you and I can mess up and we can sin and we can do things wrong, but God's covenant continues on. It's not dependent upon whether or not I do everything right. And that is what grace is about, isn't it? It's saying that I, I have grace toward you just like a mother would have toward her child if they do something and they're waiting for them to do it and you're thinking, when are they ever going to learn that? <laughs> but you don't stop, right? Your grace continues on and they know that and they kind of take advantage of it. But, you know, and we all do. But the thing is, this, this is continuing on and that's re- that's really unconditional. A mother's love is unconditional, right? They look at their children and they're like, they're driving me crazy, but I love them. And I want them to do well, and I want them to know God, right? So it doesn't depend on human obedience to the laws given to Noah. Rather, I like the way it was put, men's and women's compliance with the laws allow them to live and enjoy this covenant. If we do what it says, then we enjoy the blessing that comes from the covenant. But God is not going to force us to do it. It has to come from our hearts. It has to come from our will, saying and, and seeing this great God who has established this covenant with us and wants to, to see us live lives that are filled with grace and joy. That is the, the emphasis, right, in our faith, to say that, God, why would I want anybody else? Why would I want to do anything else? You have given me so much, and you are so great, and my life is dependent on you. Why would I want to go away from you? Right? And so he makes this covenant. He says, I'm there for you, even if you turn your back on me. But if you want to be blessed in your life, you need to turn your face toward me again. And you need to follow my ways, because my ways lead to life. But sin leads to death. And that is the covenant there. It's not, it's, it's unconditional. But there's great blessing when we do it. When we keep our part in it.
Okay, so let's look at God's grace displayed in the rainbow. Okay, this is the last section here. God's grace displayed in the rainbow. I was mentioning in verse 6-8, chapter 6-8, but Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. That is the emphasis here in this story. Yes, there's judgment on all of the people of the earth. They were wicked and they died. God brought all of this and it broke his heart to do so. But, but Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. And we see that, the importance of faith, right? He was a righteous man. He was not a perfect man. He found grace in the eyes of the Lord. There was a man named Gerhard von Rad, and he wrote that the words, the word for the rainbow in the Bible is, is a word normally used for a battle bow. So not just a rain, it's not a rainbow, it's a battle bow. And he suggested that the colorful rainbow indicates that God has laid aside his battle bow after the flood, a token of his grace. And so this bow that we see up in there, up in the sky, was a word that was used normally for a battle and waging war and doing all these kind of destructive things. And God took that and he made it into something beautiful. And the rainbow that we see over the earth is also a worldwide proclamation of the gospel in the present age. It's seen everywhere. It isn't just over our heads. It's over everyone's heads, over all the earth. It's in the sky. It's being shown throughout all of the world. It's a great, the greatest missional statement and symbol of, of missions that we oftentimes neglect to see. God desires to make known the testimony of his goodness throughout the universe. And so he puts this up there to say, this is me, this is me, this is grace, this is what I offer to you. And in the story of Noah, God has come in judgment, but also a covenant of preservation. This covenant is oftentimes referred to as one of preservation. He preserves life. He keeps it going, right? He keeps it going through through Noah. It's a covenant of preservation in which the grace of redemption would operate. God with us, Emmanuel, involves not only an outpouring of his grace upon his people, but also involves an outpouring of his wrath on the seed of Satan. And that is actually good news, that he is pouring out his wrath on Satan. And we oftentimes think he's not. We may That's a false impression that we have. God has done great things through his son to, to show his wrath on the seed of Satan, and one day he will have an end, right? But God pours his grace out upon his people. I want to share something that was written by a man named Dodds, and I really believe that this is uh, intended for you and for me today to take to heart. I know it's a lot of technical terms and there are a lot of things that are going on here that may be new to your ears and it takes me a lot of time to sort through these things, you know, with the covenant and understanding the depth of it. And I, I think that that only speaks to the fact that we need to spend more time studying because they're important. However, God is a God of grace and that is what he desires for us to hear in Grace Church today. What Dodd said was that the people accepted this rainbow as a sign that God has no pleasure in destruction. Um, He does not give way to his moods. He does not always chide or correct. 
um, that if weeping may endure for a night, joy is sure to follow. If anyone is under a cloud leading to a joyless, heartless life, if anyone has much apparent reason to suppose that God has given up on them and given them over to catastrophe in their lives and that he lets things run as they may, then let this this story of God's grace in the rainbow, let this symbol of God's covenant with us help us to recognize that without the cloud, without the cloud breaking into heavy sweeping rains, there cannot be the rainbow, and that no cloud of God's sending is permanent, but will one day give place to unclouded joy. And what he's saying there in a nutshell is this, that if you're going through things in your life that you find hard to take, if you're going through times of great darkness and you feel that you've been left alone by God, if you feel that you're going through a time that is filled with clouds and there's heavy rains coming and things like that, then we need to remember God's covenant with us, that he has given us a rainbow to remind us that there is joy and there is hope there that is coming, and that it comes as a result of these hard rains and these things that come up in our lives. That produces, in the end, God's rainbow and and his grace and all the things that he has prepared for us. And so, brothers and sisters, if you're going through something like that, always remember, always remember to look for that rainbow. Always remember to wait upon the Lord and the things that he is bringing and he desires to bring in your life. He is your sustainer. He is your rock. He is the one that you go to with all the things that you're going through. No one in this room can, can, can replace God. No one in this room can, can do the things that God can do. Spend time with him. Talk to him. Read his word. Think of him as being that covenant God, the one who is unconditionally there for you and that he loves you more than anyone else. And give him your life. And remember that in those, especially in those times that they are being used to make and refine your life, to refine you like silver and gold so that you shine. And God uses those times that we go through. So take hold of his hand and walk with him and let him show you the way to everlasting joy. Amen. Let us pray. God, thank you for this wonderful, wonderful lesson in your word today of the covenant that you have made with us. You are a covenantal God. You are a God who keeps promises to us. You have given us the, the, the things that we read and that you've spoken, but then, Lord, you don't stop there. You give us symbols and put them in the sky above us so that we can see that you're real and we can be reminded of your word and we can see your grace at hand. And yes, in, in this beautiful way, that your, 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 your servant had written here, Lord, that even in the midst of those storms and even in the midst of those times, we know that those storms bring about a rainbow in the end. And that was your plan for us. What a beautiful God you are. God, we just praise you and we thank you that you have made us unique, that you have given us snowflakes to, to remind us of our uniqueness and that, Lord, you desire for us to flutter that you desire for us to dance in the air, that, Lord, that you desire for us to be overcomers and victorious people who don't look at life in a despairing way, but ones that are filled with hope. 
And God, we just want to lift up those who are in our lives that we've been despairing over, that don't have you, Lord, and that need you in their lives. We pray, God, today that you will hear our prayer and that they would be saved, that they would come into the light of knowing, Lord, that their lives do not want to follow a path that is one that is led by Satan, but that they want to be following the path of Christ. And God, that even though there are temptations and things that draw us away from you, Lord, that you always come as a shepherd to draw us back. You've given us that message today in your word as well. And you've inspired your servants to mention it. Lord, help us to teach other people these wonderful truths that you've given to us and not to keep it to ourselves. God, we thank you. We love you as our covenantal God. We are your covenantal people, Lord. We want to to keep our, our part of that bond. We want to stay close to you. Help us, Father. We're weak but you are strong, and we pray, God, that you'll just hold us strongly and give us that foundation in our lives through the message that you've given us in your word so that we could proclaim you to all the world. We thank you and pray all these things in Jesus' name.